Hello, everyone. Welcome to another fantastic edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Vogel. Uh, we have a really great episode with, uh, for you today. Uh, joining us is Hanno Ektel. He's the CEO of Eidenhaus. Uh, really insightful uh, gentleman. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of good information uh, for you uh, tech and non-technical people. Uh, but Hanno is very well-spoken, uh, really interesting guy. So uh, I will stop blabbering and we'll take a pause here and we'll bring Hanno on board. Hanno, thank you so much for joining us today on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. How are you doing today? Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to uh, have this conversation. Oh, it's uh, we've been really, really looking forward to this, or at least I have been. My, my co-host was as well, but he, he's out today, <laughs> so it's just me. Uh, I'm super, super excited for 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 this conversation. Um, I thought maybe we would start off with something simple. <laughs> I okay. wonder if you could tell us a bit more about your company, Eidenhaus what you do, sure. who you serve. Um, just, just enlighten us a little bit with, with, with that. Yeah, uh, happy to. So Eidenhaus Consulting, we specialize in cybersecurity services. Uh, we do everything from strategy development all the way through implementation, which makes us a little bit different than other companies. Many focus really just on that technical implementation piece. Uh, we've recently completed a FedRAMP advisory project for a company and are actually helping them transition into their continuous monitoring and ISO requirements uh, to maintain their authority to operate. Uh, we do SOC 2 audits, we do NIST audits uh, and assessments. Uh, we also do identity management uh, strategies all the way through implementation. And we partner really with all the major vendors in that space. Oh, wonderful. Um, there's a, something that you mentioned in there, it's something that I don't think we've talked enough enough about on, on the show, um, identity access management or, you know, the sure. I, IAM, um, you know, for, for our viewers and listeners who many of which are, are non-technical people or business owners, uh, um, what, what could you, how would you describe identity access management to, to a non-technical person? What is it and what's the value in that for an organization? Yeah. So identity and access management, um, sort of in a nutshell, it's really, a, it's a solution that administers user identities and controls access to enterprise resources. So uh, we like to break it down into two different components. Component one is establishing your identity, right? So who you are. So, you know, you meet a friend, you recognize them on the street, right? But, you know, if you're, if you're going through customs, uh, you're going to have a passport or, right, that, that validates, it's an official document that validates you are who you say you are, right? And they can look that up and there's a database behind it and your identity has been confirmed, right? So. The establishment of the identity typically comes from a system of record, like your HR system, right? So if you think about the HR system, it has very good data on users. Uh, there are a lot of legal requirements that uh, HR must comply to in terms of reporting and other things. And so that the quality of the data there tends to be really good. And so we can establish your identity, who you are, uh, and also your relationship to the organization, right? I want to know your job title, uh, who your manager is, your job function. Uh, and that will also help us then drive your access. So the access piece is a little bit separate. So we've established your identity. We have the attributes on to know who you are, right? The data elements that say who you are. And then we can make access decisions. So we have systems that we integrate with. So let's say um, we're integrating with your CRM system, whether it's Salesforce or something else. We can create an account for you in that system. We can assign you to a profile to give you a certain level of access based on your job role. And so what identity and access management is doing is taking all the rules and policies and putting them into the system so that they're enforced consistently, 
we can create you in a system automatically, remove you from a system automatically, uh, and manage that identity lifecycle in a very automated fashion, very consistently, which really buttons up your security. I appreciate that. Uh, very well explained, Hanno. Uh, and um, something which you know I, I, I find interesting too, and I guess this is you know, part of or an extension of, of uh, IM is um, multi-factor authentication, or you know, often referred to as just MFA. Um, you know, yeah. we, we still see a lot of organizations pushing back on it, saying, "Oh, it's an inconvenience; it's not worth the effort or, or, or time." Um, you know, they, they, many of them still see it more of an inconvenience than a, an actual uh, way of you know enhancing and, and securing an organization. Um, do you find that that's still the case that MFA still has some negative? connotations attached to it? And if so, how, how do we push past uh, that? Well, from an end user standpoint, it absolutely does because it's just seen as intrusive, right? I get prompted and challenged multiple times for uh, my that second factor, right? That additional credential. Now, the interesting thing that's happening is that businesses are really getting pushed by their insurance carriers to implement multi-factor authentication. So they're like, well, we're not going to give you any cyber insurance if you don't put MFA in place because it's too risky otherwise, and we're not gonna assume that risk in the policy, so you're just not gonna get coverage. Uh, we're seeing that a lot, actually, within the last 12 months, I would say that's become a growing concern for a lot of our customers, is that they have to do something in terms of multi-factor authentication in order to comply with their insurance carrier's policy requirements. Uh, however, there are ways to mitigate this. Uh, for the users. So we can do things like challenge them for the second factor uh, periodically, once a week, once a month, right? So we can uh, have a session token that gets stored that says they've authenticated with MFA once within whatever the policy period is, and then we don't have to challenge them quite so frequently. Uh, another option too is to challenge them once when they authenticate and then use federation or, or other single sign-on uh, authentications behind the scenes to broker those credentials back and forth so that we're not getting users challenged quite so much and the user experience doesn't degrade, if you will, by being challenged multiple times for credentials. Going a slightly different direction, I know we've been, we're yeah. talking about IEM and MFA. Uh, yeah. Something I think you and I talked about before, I mean, obviously offline, was uh, uh, around the whole notion around resources or personnel for cybersecurity teams and for organizations. Um, you know, obviously, more, uh, organizations are having a very challenging time uh, rounding out their security teams. What can organizations do if they find that they're just unable to fill these roles? What 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 are opportunities or options that they should start looking at, particularly at the small, mid-sized business level? It, we're seeing a big move towards uh, managed service providers at the small, medium-sized business level, uh, really outsourcing your IT and you know outsourcing your SOC if you need one, right? So your security operations center is now really just hosted and staffed by a third party. So they can take uh, the demands of the small to medium-sized business, right? But they can spread resources across two or three or more businesses, right? To provide that service. And so in essence, you're getting a fractional fractional support unless you have some sort of emergency or issue that requires them to put all hands on deck to help you solve that problem. So we're seeing managed service providers really picking up a lot of the slack in that space. When it comes to uh, implementing new capabilities or new systems, that's really where we come in. So we get asked to come in with that expertise to implement a new identity management solution. And then at some point after it's been implemented and built out, those skill sets aren't really required anymore, right? So there's the developer skill sets, but then there's really the operation, operate and maintain administration skill sets that they may be able to have in-house, or we can certainly train up people in-house to do the O&M work, right? 
So uh, I think having a plan for, well, what, where do we need help to develop? And then what can we do from an operation administration standpoint in-house? Uh, they have to find that right balancing point. So some of that might be outsourced to an MSP. Some of that might be outsourced to us. And some of that would be in, in-house. And it's just going to be a blend. Hanno Echtel, um joining us today on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Um, Hanno, um, when, you, when you guys are going into organization, you know, let's say you're, you're, you're starting off with a, a new client, what are some of the biggest gaps that you're seeing or common security gaps or, or that you're seeing with, with organizations? I mean, I know we've talked about MFA and IAM, but um, what else are you seeing as being very common, uh, low-hanging fruit or, or, or easy wins that organizations should be able to tackle when it comes to cybersecurity? Yeah, well, I think uh, really there are probably two things. Uh, one would be cybersecurity awareness training for employees, right? So one of the most common attack vectors is still social engineering and phishing, right? So somebody figures out a way to convince one of your users to click on something, and then they get access into your environment, and they deploy ransomware or some other type of malware, and that's how they gain access. Uh, so plugging that hole is an area where a lot of organizations really I think they're a bit dismissive about the risk, um, but it really is the number one attack vector. It still is. Every year, this is the number one attack vector, and it has been four years. It's very easy, much easier to socially engineer someone and hack them as a person through business email compromise or some other vector uh, than it is to hack through your firewalls and dig into your system and, and break in that way. Uh, the second piece is really cyber hygiene within the environment. I think organizations would benefit from doing some vulnerability scans and some penetration testing uh, to reveal shortcomings in their environment and just strengthen it, right? So when we go in and we do that, whether it's a small, medium-sized business or even a large corporation, uh, sometimes we're surprised at what we find. Uh, and uh, the organization can be surprised as well. But once you're aware that there's an issue, you can take steps to remediate it, fix it, and strengthen your environment so that you're just not as vulnerable. And maybe the hackers go down the street and attack your competitor because uh, you're all buttoned up and secure and they're an easy target. Something I found interesting about what you're saying there, and and just want to maybe dig in a bit deeper into that, is around uh, awareness. Um, And I completely agree with you. I mean, that's definitely a a common gap (laughs) with so many organizations, that people problem. why does that problem persist? You know, um, is it is it something that um, just because of human nature, people think you know this isn't worth do, uh, doing? You know, people are going to click on it anyway. Why bother with security awareness? Why is it that so many organizations still aren't doing that? I think it's uh, quite honestly a lack of awareness. Ironically, perhaps within <laughs> the the senior leadership levels, that it is the a risk, right? I mean, people think of cybersecurity in terms of somebody coming in and attacking your system directly, like it's a direct on assault or they're, they're trying to you know, breach a firewall or come in through some nefarious IT uh, shenanigans, if you will. Uh, <laughs> and they don't realize that their users are really the biggest risk to the organization. I mean, the statistics bear that out. It doesn't really matter which report you look at. The number one vector is people. Uh, but I think we tend to focus on the technology and not on our people, right? And, but the people and the technology have to work together. The technology can only manage so much of that risk. Uh, the other part is the human dimension. So part of, and part of that actually is cleaning up access, like uh, not, not over-permissioning your users. So there are some things we can do from a hygiene standpoint where our workers don't have more permissions than they need to do their job. So least privileges, right? 
a common cybersecurity principle. A lot of organizations just keep granting you access as you move through your career, but they don't ever take access away. So you can implement access reviews to check that periodically. Uh, you can also use roles to uh, automatically add and subtract access as people change positions in the company. Uh, but getting back to your question about why don't companies invest more in this, I think it's it's seen as a nice to have, not a need to have. Uh, organizations that have implemented do see a dramatic drop in the number of incidents that they have. Uh, we've worked for a number of large organizations that have implemented training programs and uh, you know, we're all human, right? We can all click on things. I've done it myself. I'm a cybersecurity professional. So, uh, however, you're much less likely to click on that malicious link if you're made aware, yeah. right? Uh, and I think too, it's also helping people understand, like if you see something and it, it alerts you and you're concerned that an account of yours may have been compromised, well, try to log into that account directly, but don't click on anything in the email. Right. So don't access it through the email or the notification you got. Do it independently. Um, and within that account, it should tell you whether you've that alert is is uh, valid or or not. I know. Um, really appreciate the time today for, for our, our listeners and viewers who want to learn more about Iron House. Where, where, where can they find more information? Sure. So, uh, well, we're online. www. Idenhouse.com. We have uh, a very active blog uh, as well as newsletters. We have a LinkedIn newsletter and we also send out newsletters on cyber and identity uh, just generally. And then we have one that's tailored to healthcare organizations as well. Fantastic. Thank you again, Handel, so much for joining us on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Uh, We will chat again soon, my friend. Thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Be well. And um, just want to thank Handel again for joining us. Uh, I'll take a momentary pause here and I'll come back with some final thoughts for today's episode. It was a wonderful episode with Hanno. Uh, we want to extend a special thank you to, to him and his uh, team at Eidenhaus for allowing him to join us today. Uh, and as always, we want to extend a special thank you to our loyal listeners and viewers who join us each and every week on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. If you've missed a previous episode, please do check out the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube page or check us out on your favorite podcasting platform. But until next time, be well, be safe, and we'll see you again next time on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Mm-hmm.